Hello there, and welcome to episode 7 of this series of What You May Have Missed. Over the previous few series, there has been a recurring theme, and that is that around this point, we normally venture to a very large continent to enjoy some eclectic tales that concern many an interesting animal. Of course, it would be rude to break with tradition, so this week, we are heading back to Africa. Yes, we have our trilogy of tales from Africa this week. But before we get into them, remember that there are going to be weekly episodes after this series has finished, about everything from myths and legends to history and creatures. So if there is something you would like to hear about that fits into this bracket, then drop me a message via Instagram or TikTok, or fire an email to themythspodcast at gmail.com. I have already had a few messages, so I'm really looking forward to getting those episodes out there. Right, on to today's episode. There is a rather odd thing about these stories that I'm going to tell you, and that is that they all have exactly the same title. Although they are quite different overall, there is a theme that runs throughout them. And I will apologise in advance, they are not particularly happy tales. One thing about many of the stories we've heard so far in this series is that they, for the most part, have happy endings. But sadly, that is not the case today. The Lion and the Jackal To his neighbours, Jackal was known as a progressive man. This was not because he was actually very progressive or capable, but just because he gave off the idea that he was. Those outside of the near vicinity called him a cunning scamp or an all-wise rat-tramp, neither of which are very polite. His neighbours called him progressive as he liked to speak English for reasons best known to himself, especially when there were those nearby who he thought could not understand it, and at special functions he would carry himself like an important dignitary. He could speak eloquently and at great length about the faults and flaws of others, but underneath this layer of illusion he was really just a rather shallow fellow who had managed to take control of his cunning in order to portray a man of noble standing. Here is an example of his deviousness. One time he lost his tail in an iron trap. He had been attempting to reach some goose in a pen and had concocted many different plans, but when he came to his senses he was sitting in front of the goose pen with his tail in the iron trap with all the dogs coming for him. When he realised what the dogs would do if they caught him, he pulled his tail as hard as he could out of the trap. Only the trap held on to it. He had always thought very highly of his tail, but now he was running from the dogs, tailless. This would immediately have made him the butt of the whole neighbourhood had he not thought of a plan. So he called together a meeting of all the jackals and made them believe that Lion had issued a proclamation to the effect that all jackals in the future should be tailless because their beautiful tails were a thorn in the eyes of more unfortunate animals. 
In his sly and sneaky way, he told them how he regretted that the king should have the barbaric right to interfere with his subjects. But the lion was king, and he thought the sooner he paid attention to the proclamation, the better. Therefore he had had his tail cut off, and he told the lion that he would advise all his friends to do the same. And so it happened that once all jackals for a long time were without tails. At some point in the time between then and now they have all grown back. This event occurred around the same time that Tiger hired Jackal as a schoolmaster. Tiger was in those days the richest man in the surrounding country, and as he had had to suffer a great deal himself because he was uneducated, he wanted his children to have the best education possible. It was shortly after a meeting, in which it was shown how important a thing an education was, that Tiger approached Jackal and asked him to come and teach his children. Jackal was very ready to do this. It was not exactly his vocation, he said, but he would do it to pass time and just out of friendship for his neighbour. His and Tiger's farmlands lay next to each other. That he was not actually a teacher and that he possessed no degree was of no account in the eyes of Tiger. Do not praise my goodness so much, cousin Jackal, Tiger laughed. We know your worth well enough. Much rather would I entrust my offspring to you than to the many so-called schoolmasters, for it is especially my wish as well as that of their mother, to have our children obtain a progressive education and to make such men and women of them that with the same ability as you have they can take their lawful places in this world. One condition, said Jackal, I must state. It will be very inconvenient for me, almost impossible, to come here to your farm and hold school. My own farm would in that case go to pieces, and that I cannot let happen. Tiger answered that it was not exactly necessary either. In spite of their attachment to the little ones, they saw that it would probably be to their benefit to place them for a while in a stranger's house. Jackal then told of his own upbringing by Wolf. He remembered well how small he was when his father sent him away to study with Wolf. Naturally, since then he had passed through many schools, Wolf was only his first teacher, and only in his later days did he realise how much good it had done him. A man must bend the sapling while it's still young, said Jackal. There is no time that the child is so open to impressions as when he is plastic, about the age that most of your children are at present, and I was just thinking you would be doing a wise thing to send them away for quite a while. He had, rather fortunately, a room in his house that would be perfectly suited for a schoolroom, and his wife could easily make some arrangement for their lodging, even if they had to enlarge their dwelling somewhat. It was then and there agreed upon. Tiger's wife was then consulted about one thing and another, and the following day the children were to leave. "'I have just thought of one more thing,' remarked Jackal. Seven children, besides my little lot, will be quite a care on our hands, so you will have to send over each week a fat lamb, and in order not to disturb their progress the children will not be able to come and see you for some time. When I think they have become used to their lessons I will inform you and then you can come and take them out for a short trip, but not until then. It is also better, he continued, that they do not see you for the first while, but your wife can come and see them every Saturday, and I will see to all else. On the following day there was an unearthly howling and wailing when the children were to leave, but Tiger and their mother showed them that it was best, and that some day they would see it, it was all for their good, and that their parents were doing it out of kindness. And so, eventually, they were gone. The first Saturday dawned, and early that morning Mrs. Tiger was on her way to Jackal's dwelling. 
she was still a long way off when Jackal caught sight of her. As he always observed neighbourly customs, he stepped out to meet her. After they had greeted each other, Mrs Tiger's first question was, Well, Cousin Jackal, how goes everything with the small team? Are they still all well and happy, and do they not trouble you too much? Oh, my goodness, no, Mrs Tiger, answered Jackal enthusiastically. But don't let us talk so loud, because if they heard you, it certainly would cause them many heartfelt tears, and they might also want to go back with you, and then all our trouble would have been for nothing. But I would like to see them, Cousin Jackal, said Mrs Tiger, a little disturbed. Why, certainly, Mrs Tiger, was his answer. But I do not think it is wise for them to see you. I will lift them up into the window one by one, and then you can put your mind at rest concerning their health and progress. After Mr and Mrs Jackal and Mrs Tiger had sat together for some time, drinking coffee and talking over one thing and another, Jackal took Tiger's wife to a door and told her to look through it, out upon the backyard. There he would show her the children one by one, while they would not be able to see her. Everything was done exactly as Jackal had said, but the sixth little tiger he picked up twice, because the firstborn he had had the day before prepared in pickle for their Sunday meal. And so it happened every Saturday until the last little tiger, which was the youngest, had to be lifted up seven times in succession. And when Mrs. Tiger came again the following week, all was as still as death, and everything seemed to have a deserted appearance on the estate. She walked straight to the front door, and there she found a letter in the pole grass near the door, which read thus, "'We have gone for a picnic with the children. From there we will ride by a jackal's dance for New Year. This is necessary for the completion of their progressive education. Jackal.' Saturday after Saturday did Mrs. Tiger go and look, but every time Jackal's house seemed to look more deserted, and after a while there was a spider's web over the door, and the trail of a snake. The Lion and the Jackal Lion had caught a large eland which lay dead on the top of a high bank. After chasing the eland, Lion was thirsty and needed a cool beverage to quench his thirst. Jackal, look after my eland. I'm going to get a drink. Don't you eat any. Very well, Uncle Lion. Lion went to the river, and Jackal quietly removed a stone in which Lion had to step to reach the bank on his return. After that, Jackal and his wife ate heartily of the eland. Lion returned, but could not scale the bank. Jackal, help me, he shouted. Yes, Uncle Lion, I will let down a rope and then you can climb up. Jackal whispered to his wife, Give me one of the old thin hide ropes. And then aloud he added, Wife, give me one of the strong buffalo ropes so Uncle Lion won't fall. His wife gave him an old rotten rope. Jackal and his wife first ate ravenously of the meat, then gradually let the rope down. Lion seized it and struggled up. When he neared the brink, Jackal gave the rope a jerk. It broke, and Lion began to roll, rolled the whole way down, and finally lay at the foot near the river. Jackal began to beat a dry hide that lay there as he howled, cried, and shouted, Wife, why did you give me such a bad rope that caused Uncle Lion to fall? Lion heard the row and roared, Jackal, stop beating your wife. I will hurt you if you don't cease. Help me climb up. Uncle Lion, I will give you a rope. 
whispering again to his wife, "'Give me one of the old thin hide ropes,' and shouting aloud again, "'Give me a strong buffalo rope, wife, that will not break again with Lion.' Jackal gave out the rope, and when Lion had nearly reached the top, he cut the rope through and Lion began to roll down to the bottom. Jackal again beat on the hide and shouted, "'Wife, why did you give me such a rotten rope? Didn't I tell you to give me a strong one?' Lion roared, "'Jackal, stop beating your wife at once. Help me instantly or you will be sorry.' "'Wife,' Jackal said aloud, "'give me now the strongest rope you have.' And aside to her, "'Give me the worst rope of the lot.' Jackal again let down a rope, but just as Lion reached the top, Jackal gave a strong tug and broke the rope. Poor old lion rolled down the side of the hill and lay there roaring from pain. Jackal inquired, Uncle Lion, have you hurt yourself? Have you much pain? Wait a moment, I am coming directly to help you. Jackal and his wife slowly walked away, laughing. The Lion and the Jackal the lion and the jackal agreed to hunt on shares for the purpose of laying in a stock of meat for the winter months for their families. As the lion was by far the more expert hunter of the two, the jackal suggested that he himself should be employed in transporting the game to their dens, and that Mrs. Jackal and the little jackals should prepare and dry the meat, adding that they would take care that Mrs. Lion and her family should not be left wanting. This was agreed to by the lion, and the hunt commenced. After a very successful hunt, which lasted for some time, the lion returned to see his family and also to enjoy, as he thought, a plentiful supply of his spoil. When, to his utter surprise, he found Mrs. Lion and all the young lions on the point of death from sheer hunger and in a mangy state. The jackal, it appeared, had only given them a few entrails of the game, and in such limited quantities as barely to keep them alive. Jackal had told them that the hunt had been most unsuccessful. Yet Jackal and his family were revelling in abundance and each member of it was sleek and fat. This was too much for Lion to bear. He immediately started off in a terrible fury, vowing certain death to the Jackal and all his family whenever he should meet them. The Jackal was more or less prepared for what was coming and had taken the precaution to remove all his belongings to the top of a cliff accessible only by a most difficult and circuitous path which he alone knew. Convenient. When the lion saw him on the cliff, the jackal immediately greeted him by calling out, Good morning, Uncle Lion. How dare you call me uncle, you impudent scoundrel, roared the lion in a voice of thunder, after the way in which you have behaved to my family. Oh, uncle, how shall I explain matters? That beast of a wife of mine. Whack, whack was heard as he beat with a stick on dry hide, which was a mere pretense for Mrs. Jackal's back. Mrs. Jackal, by previous agreement, screamed with a vengeance whenever he smacked on the hide, and she was joined by the little jackals who set up a most doleful chorus. That wretch, said the jackal, it's all her doing. I shall kill her off straight away and away again he leathered the hide while his wife and children uttered such a dismal howl that the lion begged him to leave off flogging his wife. After cooling down a little, he invited Uncle Lion to come up and have something to eat, but after several ineffectual attempts to scale the precipice, he had to give up. The jackal, 
always ready for emergencies, suggested that a rope should be lowered to haul up his uncle. This was agreed to, and when the line was drawn about halfway up by the whole family of jackals, the rein was cleverly cut, and down went the lion with a tremendous crash which hurt him very much. Upon this, the jackal again performed upon the hide with tremendous force for their daring to give him such a rotten rope, and Mrs. Jackal and the little ones responded with some fearful screams and yells. He then called out loudly to his wife for a strong buffalo rope which would support any weight. This again was lowered and fastened to the lion, when all hands pulled away at their uncle, and... Just when he had reached so far that he could look over the precipice into the pot to see all the fat meat cooking and all the biltongs hanging out to dry, the rope was cut again, and the poor lion fell with such force that he was fairly stunned for some time. After the lion had recovered his senses, the jackal, in a most sympathising tone, suggested that he was afraid that it was of no use to attempt to haul him up onto the precipice, and recommended instead that a nice fat piece of Elan's breast be roasted and dropped into the lion's mouth. The lion, half famished with hunger and very bruised, readily accepted the offer, and sat eagerly awaiting the fat morsel. Now, surely, as king of the plains, if a jackal tells you it's going to cook some meat and drop it off a cliff into your mouth, you don't trust him, especially after the sneaky git has just played you for a fool several times that day already. Well. Whilst the lion sat there starving, the jackal had a round stone made red-hot and wrapped a quantity of inside fat or suet round it to make it appear like a ball of fat. When the lion saw it held out, he opened his capacious mouth to the utmost extent and the wily jackal cleverly dropped the hot ball right into it, which ran through the poor old beast, killing him on the spot. It need hardly be told that there was great rejoicing on the cliff that night. Well... Like I said at the top of the episode, not the usual happy animal tales where the underdog comes out on top. What did you make of these stories? With that, we are heading steadily closer to the finale of the series, but there is still one more episode to tuck in between this and the two-parter finale. Any suggestions to where we might be visiting for the end? Remember that you can send any questions or thoughts to themythspodcast at gmail.com or on TikTok or Instagram. That's all from me this week, but you will hear me again next week for episode 8 of What You May Have Missed. <laughs>